Our first reading this morning comes from the second book of Samuel, starting of chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who led out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be separate of my people Israel, you who shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. Now moving ahead to chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Beatty, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the seraphim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. Our second reading this morning is Psalm 150. Praise for God's surpassing greatness. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty ferment. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clang cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brett. And let's pray. We're so grateful, God, for the opportunity we have this day to praise you, to worship you, to bring all that we are before you, and to hear anew your word of love and, and promise and faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that in these moments ahead, we'll continue to sense your presence in our midst, and each one of us will hear that very word that you would have us receive. We pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen. The Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City is one of the largest and most well-known Presbyterian churches in the Northeast U.S., and some years ago, the senior pastor there famously said that in the signboard right out front, in the front of their church, 
that each week he would put so much care and thought into the sermon title that he'd put out there on that sign that his hope was that if a bus was passing by and some person on a seat in that bus who'd never been to his church before saw that sign, he'd get so excited, so motivated that he'd shout to the bus driver to stop the bus so he could get off it and, and run into that church. We used to put sermon titles on the signboard in front of our church. Maybe we're overdue to restart that tradition. I'm inspired by that friend of mine who used to serve at that church as I decided what this morning's sermon title would be. <laughs> Imagine a few of you are wondering where in the world Jones is going today. <laughs> the gospel according to Taylor Swift. Now here's what I'm wondering. What would it look like and how would it transform our community and our world if the people of our world worshiped and celebrated and were attentive to Almighty God the way that right now so many worship and celebrate and are attentive to Taylor Swift? It's a question I invite us to consider. Now, in case you do not know her name, in case you do not fit into her key demographic audience, and I'm pretty sure I don't fit into that demographic, Taylor Swift is a 33-year-old, incredibly gifted pop singer who has had a powerful impact upon the world of music, our economy, and popular culture. Many view her gifts as a songwriter, a musician of great versatility, and a performer with the ability to artistically reinvent herself again and again as remarkable. Her off-the-charts successful The Eras tour is still underway. It's Stop It. MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey during May was a huge event here in New Jersey. I know many of you were there. She's drawn in countless new fans since she began dating Kansas City Chiefs football player and actor Travis Kelsey. It seems that when she is at his football games or any NFL football game that she gets more attention than the game does. The concert movie of her era's tour came out last weekend. It had the largest grossing opening weekend of any movie that ever came out in the month of October, ever. Now, truth be told, in case I give you the wrong impression, I am a huge fan of Taylor myself. On YouTube, a couple weeks ago, I came upon an NPR Tiny Desk concert where it was just her and her guitar and a piano and four or five songs that she performed acoustically. It was beautiful. In that set she played, I especially love the opening song entitled, The Man. I listened to it, loved it so much, I listened to it a second time. And I thought, I, I think I want to listen to that one more time. There's a lot to love about Taylor Swift. We humans were created and hardwired 
to worship, to give our attention and our energy to something or someone that will give our lives meaning and direction. St. Augustine said that there's a God-shaped vacuum inside our hearts, and we will forever strive to fill it. And many of us spend much of our lives trying to fill that God-shaped place in our hearts with one thing or one person after another, with that deep longing and hunger never ultimately being fulfilled. It is countercultural to consider the question. It does not go with the flow of social media or many of our neighbors or what is presently an enormous boost to our nation's economy. But how would it change the shape and focus and priorities of our world if we worshiped and were attentive to Almighty God? the way a portion of our world right now appears to worship and to be attentive to. An incredibly gifted singer and songwriter named Taylor Swift. Our scripture this morning is the story of David being anointed king over all of Israel and then bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. There was no king at that time And everyone did as they pleased. That's how the writer of Scripture describes it. Everyone did what they wanted. I think of how many other eras in human history could be described in that way, including this era. And I think of the trouble, the self-centeredness, the conflict that such a perspective will inevitably lead, lead to. When that's the backdrop, and David becomes king and puts God at the center of the people. The Ten Commandments, you might say, had been in cold storage for many, forgotten. But he moves them. He places them in the center of their community. What would it mean for us to put God or to put God anew? at the center, the center of our community, the center of our church, and of each one of our lives. Now, David is a complicated figure. There's no doubt about it, and that could be said of him even before his adulterous encounter with Bathsheba. But here's what today's passage makes clear. He is so committed to God. God is so at the center of his life that he is willing to dance in the streets and risk making a fool of himself in order to express his devotion to God, his love for God, and to openly and joyfully worship God. Can the same be said for us? Are we willing to love God so much and to put God so much at our center that it might make us look foolish. Our annual stewardship theme will be introduced in just a week as we hand out personalized letters and packets for each family. And we are all invited to, again, prayerfully consider what our financial pledge will be to support Christ's work at our beloved church in 2024. 
There will be special sermons, special testimonies will be offered by four or five church members. I wonder, are we willing to give so generously, to serve so boldly, to love so fully that others might view us as foolish? That our friends or accountants or others watching might say, that just doesn't make sense. Have you been drinking? Have you lost your wits, your sense of bearings, your sense of decorum, for goodness sake? That's how dramatically and fully you're committed to God? Well, maybe you need to rethink that. Maybe you need to dial it back just a little bit. Say what you will about old King David. Say what you will about the ways he horrendously betrayed his best friend, later betrayed his family and countless others. Say what you will about the other ways that his human frailty and vulnerability is documented for all the world to see. In the midst of it, he never stopped striving to put God first, to put God at the center. I love the story of how during the tenure of the great orator Henry Ward Beecher, a visiting minister, Beecher's brother, once substituted for the popular preacher. A large audience had already assembled to hear Beecher, and when the substitute pastor stepped into the pulpit, several disappointed listeners got up from their pews and began moving toward the exits. That's when the minister stood and said loudly, all who've come here today to worship Henry Ward Beecher may now withdraw from the church, and all who've come to worship God may take their seats. We humans, whether we know it or not, whether we're in touch with it as mindfully or not, we were created and hardwired to worship to give our attention and our energy to something or someone that will give our lives purpose and, and meaning. Yet from the dawn of creation, from the very first chapter of the story in the Garden of Eden, we have pushed God away from the center. We have given our hearts to someone else, something else. What would it look like for all of creation to praise and worship and be attentive to Almighty God. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all the creatures that walk upon the earth. And what would it look like in your life and in mine to really give thanks, to not be measured or restrained in the way we worship God and love God and express our gratitude to God? to not be half-hearted in the ways that we keep our eyes on the presence and the movement of God in our church, our community, our world, to be obedient to God, attentive to God, and to join with God in the work of healing and hope and restoration that God is engaged in. For there is a God-shaped space in each one of our hearts 
Most of us spend years trying to fill it with all sorts of other things other than God. Sometimes we even try to fill that God-shaped space with a gifted singer or a talented athlete or a popular preacher. Yet that hunger and striving can only be, can only be fulfilled by the God who created us and redeemed us and who loves us. The God of comfort, the God of justice, the God of hope and mercy, the God of all the nations, all the people, every single one of us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.